All right, everybody, uh, good news, because we're back with our coverage of The Good Place. Uh, It's a good place to sleep here tonight on Sleep With Me. And tonight we're going to be talking about the first uh, two episodes of Season 3 of The Good Place. Uh, Everything is Bonzer, or Bonzer, and uh, that's Chapters 27 and 28. And some of you might be saying, hey, Scoot, so what happened to Season 2? Uh, you know, what, and I said, don't worry, it's a good it's a good place to sleep, believe me. And ideally in the off-season, in the spring or the summer, uh, we'll, we'll cover season two. Uh, I enjoyed season one so much, but we just didn't, it wasn't realistic to fit in, uh, squeeze in season two between season one and season three, as most TV sh- shows do. Uh, but because of the nature of this being a sleep podcast and even the and a serial, episodic kind of version of each season of The Good Place. Uh, I think you'll be all right, or you could watch it, and then I'll put you to sleep. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed these two episodes. It was great to be back uh, with the crew. Uh, it looks like a couple of new cast members and a couple of returning cast members. It starts off with, you know, catching us up uh, with uh, where we were with season two. You say, okay. Uh, we're with the, the the judge and Michael and Janet and everyone. And it ends on a snap uh, as the season, I think, ended. Then there's darkness in a bright doorway and uh, something like that. And we see Michael on this giant kind of steam pipe alley, uh, new old-fashioned bridge. Reminded me a little bit of the pipe game. I don't know if that was called Steam Pipe Alley 2 where you connected pipes uh, as a, like a bit like a, but back when technology was not as advanced as, uh, you know, get my gator wet or whatever that, feed my frog, whatever that one was, uh, where you try to get the water spouts down to the, wash my gator, I think that one's called. And uh, this was different. It was just uh, pipes, and you're trying to get, it was a little bit like Tetris, but with, uh, but with uh, steam pipes or water pipes. There was also a great show with Mario Cantone called Steampipe Alley. Yeah, but none of that really relates to this new old-fashioned bridge over, like, nothingness. Uh had very nice street lamps. And one thing you'll note as we watch Michael is he said, because it's a different world, he's dressed a little differently. He's in more of a, a not quite a casual, but he's dressed up casual. Uh, so maybe less pocket squares, a little bit less details to enjoy uh, in his casual suits. And we see a doorman uh, who played by Mike O'Malley and who, who's like kind of picking at his nails or his fingers. He's been there or been working 8,000 years. He says, this is the door to earth. And he says, listen, you ain't going to have any powers when you get over there. You're going to have to take the bus. Michael's like, oh, boy, take the bus. Cannot wait. He says, oh, man, uh, I don't know if I'm going to sit in a side-facing seat or a forward-facing seat. Uh, And then Michael almost grabs these keys that say do not duplicate on him with a frog keychain. And the dude goes, the door person goes, uh, whoa, whoa, dude, these are one-of-the-kind keys, or a key made from the first atoms uh, of all time. And Michael says, well, what's up with the frog? He goes, I like frogs. I'm a frog guy. I like it. That was just a great delivery, too. 
And he goes, here's this button. Press it when you want to come back. Just make sure you're alone. So Michael goes back. He helps Eleanor in the parking lot back in the past in the real world. Then helps Chidi via bike. Uh, Eleanor didn't see him, but but, uh, Chidi kind of maybe did. But he was distracted uh, talking to his buddy uh, because it was a fake wedding day. Uh, then he helps uh, Tahani back when uh, Camilla's big award ceremony or whatever. And there he's in like this dark suit and sunglasses and with a ponytail. Uh, then, what is this? Oh, he, then he helps Jason. When he helps Jason, he's in jeans and kind of a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, back when Jason and uh, Pillboy were. Uh, I guess we kind of learned why Pillboy's called Pillboy. I just realized that just a second. Uh, then he gets back with the doorman. He says, oh, wow. Uh, he says, that was great. Worked great. I'm back. I don't think, you know, I think I'm done. He hands, this is at three minutes and 40 seconds about, he hands the doorman something. At first I thought it was a tip. I kept rewinding it. But then I said, maybe it's the button. He's returning the button. Uh, but it also looked like he was tipping him out. Then we see Michael and Janet. They're working in the their office there or their workspace adjacent to the judge, uh, and they have their ticker tape machines. It goes Cheedy. Wait, does it go Eleanor? Eleanor Cheedy, Dahani Jason. They each have a ticker tape machine following everything they do. And him and Jana have some great conversations. Uh, and then they start to see, wait a second, life, they're like, wait a second, they're not changed, even though we saved them. Even though we saved them, they started to change. This was season two, I think. Uh, but then they see Eleanor is not nice anymore. Chidi's back to being in, indecisive. Uh, we see Chidi's uh, trying to decide on a muffin at We Crumb from a Land Down Under. That was the name of the muffin stand. At Tahani, she's getting interviewed by uh, International Sophisticate. 582 questions, dropping names of celebrities. Uh, Jason's getting, uh, he's in trouble with uh, someone who, uh, their first initial's K, he thinks it's their name. And they say, well, Jesus, Michael and uh, Janison, there's no way to help them, or is there? Michael gets a look that kind of says that. Uh, he says, we could get Cheedy and Eleanor back together. So he lays out a plan to nudge them, nudging, nudging, nudging or nudging. Or, but but he says nudging nudging I think uh, then the judge rolls in she says what's up J- Janet's like oh boy we're gonna we're gonna be busted she's watched all of NCIS which is mind blowing I said holy moly that'll be in the research uh, Michael goes back uh, to uh, the, the doorman to sne- after they get rid of the judge. Uh, He's got a cup of antimatter, and usually the doorman says, nah, usually I don't have it in the afternoons, but I'm working from 4.30 till 9 billion, so. Then Michael's working as a bartender at a place uh, Eleanor's hanging. He says, great question, Eleanor. What do we owe each other, which is the name of Chidi's YouTube video, which had over the first part is four parts on YouTube that Eleanor's watching. I couldn't find it on YouTube, Maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be up. Uh, and uh, it's four parts. The first one had over 3,000 views. Also listed was Utilitarianism in Five Minutes, uh, Beginner's Guide to Kant, 
Ethics Defined Quick Guide. Uh, Hank Green and uh, Crash Course actually has some great videos about this stuff. Uh, Crash Course Philosophy. Yeah, but you didn't see the real videos. But Eleanor's watching Chidi deliver this kind of TED Talk type speech on YouTube. Yeah, then we see Office 210, Chidi Anagonye. And he has, uh, oh, in his office, he has a flagpole. Like, just like, he said, I guess like an Australian flag and a flagpole, which you do see in, in uh, I don't know how often you see in the real world, but, uh, he has about three or four or five different kinds of notebooks on his desk, a magnifying glass. He said, Chidi, is that a horn in the background? I hope it's not real. Or like a, a tusk. Uh, he's got a potted palm, a red kind of candle holder, some nice African-style prints or uh, cloth, uh, like a bust of a woman kind of carved, uh, like a smooth, uh, very nice bust. Uh, uh, upper head, you know, a head, uh, looks more other wall. Oh, there's lots more on the other walls. Driftwood sculpture, small gong, hourglass, a turquoise vessel, maybe pottery. It could have been a didgeridoo. Uh, and then they go through some backstory stuff, uh, talk about being a moral guide. And then the key question that keeps coming up is, will, Eleanor says, will you help me become a good person? And Chidi says, yes. And then we cut, cut back to Michael and Janet kind of doing thumbs up hoorays. Uh, then there's a break. Uh, then they're talk, back with Eleanor and Chidi listing all the books. And Eleanor says, great, are there movies about that? Wait a second, why would you help me? Well, so Chidi is dressed in this really nice... Uh, uh, short sleeve shirt, green, I believe. I put G R E E, scribble, scribble, then a downward. Uh, so it could be greet or Groot, uh, but it looks like it could have been green. And at first I said it's just a nice shirt, but then as I studied it, I noticed it was like that. Uh, I don't know what kind of car you call it when they do that to fabric. Uh, not linen, but it's kind of like puckered or something. Very tactile. I'm surprised. I mean, Eleanor has good boundaries. That she's not like, I got to touch that shirt, Chidi. Uh, then we see Chidi uh, with Michael, you know, back when Chidi was like, I got pulled back from the big farm. He says, I take this as a sign. Uh, no more air conditioners. Behind them, there uh, was Coneflower Bakery, established in 1972. And we see Chidi in Brumby Hall. This is at St. John's University in Australia. Uh, in the biology department, is housed at Brumby Hall. So if you're ever looking, you know, the, do you know the way to, Br- to, to Brumby Hall, to biology at St. John's University? You say Brumby Hall, by the way. That's how you get there. That's the way. Just so you know, right today, go to Brumby Hall. Right away. Yeah, some of the Dr. Pamela Water, Water McClue, I can't read my handwriting, but something, Water McClue, she's physical biology. Uh, Dr. Pondstern Bridgehampton's Organic, Norland's Mreld, or something. Then there's Ginger Catapult, uh, uh, Simone Garrett, that's going to be one of our new characters. Uh, then there's also uh, Fran von 
Olaram or something. Uh, then we're in Simone's office. Chidi's sitting on the arm of a chair because he can't decide which chair to sit in. He finally sits down and changes chairs. Uh, so again, great layers of humor. Uh, she has fun. She she kind of has. She can match Chidi and you know give him a hard time. Also, Chidi was wearing a like a sweater vest. I, w- I want to say it was navy, but it was a different. It was almost darker than navy in a good way. And she says in a positive way, Chidi, you're so weird. Uh, then she's analyzing Chidi's, uh, like she's kind of like a, I get those two things mixed up again, phrenology and the other one, phlebotomy and phrenology, but she's doing something like that. And she says, you got a great hippocampus. And Chidi's like, this is great. You're getting actual answers. And she's like, yeah, that's what science is all about. Uh, Chidi rolls in a chair at some point, uh, Oh, he throw, rolls over to a wastebasket in his chair, and he throws out his thesis, uh, picks him up, and no problem, blueberry. Then he makes his big speech, what do we owe one another or each other? And then he's eating a muffin with Henry. Henry's like, I can't believe you picked a muffin, dude. It usually takes you 90 minutes or whatever, nine minutes. And she says, I'm happy for the first time. I decided to be decisive, uh, and uh, he says, what have you got to, you know, what do you got to lose? And Henry goes, yeah, well, maybe I'll go start a new thing. Then they cut to Henry's new thing. Didn't work out with pressing the legs and things. Uh, Weisenborough muffins, blueberry. Oh, then, uh, oh, he's talking about blueberries. Uh, and they say the blueberries are no good. Also, Chidi's back. Then Chidi's at the library picking out thousands of books, two of which were The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo and then by our good friend Tay Zande. I support, I don't know if I got to check if I still support Tay on Patreon, but I did. His uh, chocolate book. And he's talking to Michael, who's undercover librarian. And he says, uh, I know the secret. Chidi says, More books? He goes, No, uh, perspective. Help someone else. Just say yes the next time someone asks you for help. So then they cut back to Eleanor. His cheaty filled her in. And he says, it's worth a try. And then Chidi says, well, thank you, sexy librarian. And he, she, he might, or Chidi says, I didn't say. And she goes, well, that's how I imagine things in my head. It make, helps me pay attention. And he said, that's how I pay attention at uh, events, uh, like plays and things. Uh, then we have Michael and Janice, and okay, everything looks like it's on track. It's going good. And then we go dun dun dun, and we see Sean walking into like this underground computer lab with a team from HE Double Hockey Sticks or whatever. And he says, "Any status report?" Uh, and they even have tape to tape, old fashioned computers, green CRT computers that are all combo. Where were these? Uh, for Todd's duration, I don't know what that is. Why are these for Todd's Duncan? Also, Sean had a pin on I was unable to identify. They talk about, uh, <laughs> I can't see. then there's like music. Uh, then uh, we see Chidi's whiteboard or chalkboard it has uh, Aristotle's four cardinal virtues on it. Uh, prudence, justice, gratitude. I put temperance, maybe grat- one of those I got wrong. Because Eleanor is standing in front of it. She has this really sweet jean shirt, denim shirt on with like a, 
embroidered star and moon and a mountain and a sunrise. Uh, then Eleanor meets a Sino, Simone. Simone and she, uh, someone says, Cheetah, I need your help with something. I'll buy you dinner after. He goes, no, 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 no. And what does this say? Proffer uh, something. But uh, uh, Eleanor says, I love your dork vibes. Oh, Professor Dork. I love your Professor Dork vibes between the two of you. You're an L-O-V-E. And uh, Chidi says, please don't say anything. This was like a, like a, I guess, an insightful moment. He says, please uh, don't tell Simone I like her or make any trouble. And Eleanor says, I promise. She does like a scout's promise, but, you know, it's not. So then right away we see Eleanor and Simone. Chidi's going to get a little uh, looky-loo. And uh, Magnet is on, Date is on. Oh, Magnet is on. That was a sign. You know, Eleanor plays Chidi, and then so Chidi and Simone set up a date. Then Janice says, oh, how cute. Uh, and then Michael says, I got to get back down there. He's not going. Uh, uh, something's up. Uh, and then we see him see me at the doorman again. He goes, I get you some decaf hazelnut uh, antimatter. And the doorman says, you sure the judge is okay with this? Uh, he says, don't worry about it. Then we see Steve sweating. He's an employee of Sean's. He's almost in... There's no pressure. He says, okay, I found a back door. Someone's going in. John's in like total cocoon mode. And he goes, I got my hand in the human jar. Like I'm in because he got in because he saw Michael get in. And that's the end of the first episode. Uh, the good news is it goes straight into episode chapter 28. Uh, and Eleanor says, uh, morning, teach. And then the date went good. She has the second edition of Aristotle's uh, Ethics, uh, but Chidi said uh, there's no no kiss. Oh, and notice the fourth thing on the chalkboard was fortitude, not gratitude. Uh, ran, they run into Simone, maybe? What does that say? Ran, Simone comes in. Uh, Chidi's got a new idea for his thesis, a big farm. People that almost went to the big farm in Ethics. Uh, oh, they run to Simone's office. That's what it is, because she's in there with a student who uh, was just about to tell her uh, that his grandma went to the big farm. But then they kid, he says, "I want to kiss you for real." Uh, oh, when the guy, when the student says that, Eleanor goes, "You're a mood ruiner. Read the room, dude." Kristen Bell can really deliver those, like uh, especially when she says "dude" and stuff like that. Also, if you want to get a hold of Chidi, it's Chidi Anagonye, uh, extension 0239076, because uh, he's putting up flyers for a study, three to six months. There's also like a random Shell Silverstein type picture, uh, yoga lessons. Uh, uh, there's like a LBGTIQ movie night. Uh, there's an improved second chance. Oh, improv uh, or second chances improv, maybe. I didn't realize that was a pun until just now. Michael goes, bingo. Uh, and we cut to uh, the office where T -T -T Tahani's in the house, uh, in the Chidi's office. And they say, well, how, what, how'd you get here? One year ago, she says, I was saved. She doesn't say this, but we see a ponytail, Michael, save her. And then Camilla says, well done, Tahani. And everyone says, oh, it's Camilla. She goes, she, Tahani goes, who helped me? And they go, it was Camilla. Camilla. Who bows, dresses, uh, 
who bows, who boses, uh, but she decides to give away all her stuff. Uh, to, she gives her dresses to Prince William at Goodwill. Oh, this was a, oh, she also deletes all the names, uh, uh, on her phone. Uh, uh let's see, like some of them, Taylor Swift, the Edge, she's the Queen, the Rook, the Room, the Roach, uh, the something. Oh, the Edge, no, the Edge, the Queen. I don't know what that says. Tom York, Tilda Swindon, uh, Tiger Woods, Tim Cook, Tim Gunn, Tom Brady. Yeah, then she's going to Tibet. She's flying uh, Comfort Plus. She shows up at the Bardo Monastery. Uh, someone from Squalor News is there being like, we'd love to do a profile on you. She's like, I'm here to get out of the spotlight, which cuts to her best-selling book and her speaking about it, Get Out of the Spotlight. Uh, you know, my story getting out of the spotlight, you know, two million books sold. Michael shows up there. He's got his new, like, where he snaps and um, flicks his hands together in every once in a while, which I like. And he's totally, like, uh, uses this, like, uh, fake Eastern thing uh, to get to Hani to see that it's inauthentic. And she says, well, maybe... Uh, yeah, huh, I'm dissatisfied, but she's sitting on a couch pouting, very cute pouting, uh, very, uh, the pouting, I really, <laughs> I was pitter-pattering at the pouting, uh, but the cheaty calls uh, her assistant who says, no, 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 and then she says, give me the phone, uh, some study to help people, I'm going to do it, uh, she goes, I'll be there tomorrow, and they say, how'd you find out about all this or something? They say, Char Professor Charles Brainman. I think that was, uh, yeah, I don't know why he called Tahani from Professor Charles Brainman. That just cracks me up for some reason. Uh, there's new stuff on Cheaty's board, stuff about determinism, rejected, pleasure, chief good in life, 270 BC. Uh, then we get a three down, one to, one to go. Uh, so we see Jason, he's out on a pier throwing rocks, uh, and, uh, uh Michael shows up. He says, what's up, something, it looks like I put B, uh, dash D, bro, brud. He goes, I'm Zach Pizzazz. He does the snapping thing. His hair's almost parted in the center. Uh, but there's a couple of interesting moments here in between the comedy. Michael has this real connection where uh, and Jason, where he says, I've just had this rough year. And Michael has this real way. He says, I'm sorry. And he goes, well, what happened, basically? I, and uh, Jason goes, my year started about a year ago uh, when he almost went to the big farm in his purple velvet warm-up suit. Uh, and he got out. He said, boy, i got to change my life. Uh, then he goes to the flyers. One is change your life. Uh, go to Jacksonville Community College. Uh, but the other one's for the sixth annual swamp uh, uh, something. Uh, show up, dance hard, get cash. Uh, a grand giant dance uh, something. Giant. Oh, then we see Jason's giant dance crew. He's making a speech. Uh, uh, you know, you got to work. If we're going to work hard, we're going to win this dance competition. Donkey Doug is out. We see Donkey Doug for the first time, maybe. This sounds like too much work. They do this cool handshake where they go pew pew. 
And then Little Peanut says, what about uh, how are we going to get cash? Uh, he says, we're not going to do it that way. So then a bunch of people leave. Uh, no more taking stuff. Uh, they said, what are we going to do now? And Jason says, well, we still got 35 people. Uh, then we see this, this uh, dance competition, the one, the Swamp Stop, I think it was called. And there's some funny stuff with the announcers. Then they dance, dance resolution as Jason's crew, DDR. And they were pretty good. It was a funny, fun sequence. They're in these gold warm-up suits or golden yellow. And uh, and they say for the first time, someone got a perfect score. Six years, no one's done it. Uh, and uh, they say, oh, but also Jason, DDR is disqualified. They say, Jason says, why? They say, you got 40 people. Limits eight. Uh, then we see that J- Jason's like, no, we win. Then there's a cut of like them in yellow and black at a dance competition. They lose and turquoise, uh, no, black, then turquoise in yellow and black. Uh, uh, then Jason's like, forget it. So then he gets busted. Uh, then he's uh, at a bar with Pillboy. There's a sign behind Pillboy or Jason says, make, ju- make jukebox cool again. And they talk about, you know, turning over a new leaf. Pillboy talks about Jason being inspirational to him. Uh, then we're back with Jason and Zach Pizzazz. Uh, he says, I was talking to this guy, Zach Pizzazz. Michael goes, yeah, it's me. But again, he totally, like, has these, they just have these two connective moments again with, like, kind of real empathy with Michael and Jason. Yeah, but that sends Jason on his way to meet with Cheedy because he's trying to get him to start a new dance crew. Jason says, no. Anyway, you, you'll see. And then uh, Michael returns to the doorman with a gift. Uh, it's like an insulated, vacuum-sealed cup with a frog on it. And uh, the doorman's like, this frog, there's a frog on here. It's so cool. This guy looks like a jumper. Then Michael's returns to Janice there. She asks about Jason, of course. Is he still cute? Uh, sounds like Jason. The judge comes in. She just she goes, whew, that Mark Harmon does just fine on its own. And uh, she says, anybody want to watch a movie? And Janice says, what about you should watch Stealing Home? But she's like, and they, she, she goes, you want to come with? And they go, no. And of course, I have an inability to eat food or something. Uh, then they, so she's worried, uh, then we see Jason in Australia. I don't know what this means. Got Amy with it. Uh, I don't know what that means at all. Got Amy with it. Uh, but Jason's, they're all in, uh, Simone's lab. Uh, they talk about, uh, Klaus, Tri, uh, Phoebic being that, uh, and Jason says, that's like, you don't like Santa Claus? And they go, no, dude. And then they said, Chidi goes, oh, by the way, there's one more person in this study. Then we cut back to Michael and Janet. Michael goes, that doesn't make any sense. And he goes, oh, no, it's not good, Janet. And then there's a little build. And who do we see but Trevor in, like, full aw shucks mode? And he just says, hey, guys, so great to meet you. And the episode comes to a close with Trevor's return. Adam Scott, uh... So that was the end of the episode.
Uh, let's run through some of the stuff that came out. One of the new uh, regulars, it seems like, is Mike O'Malley from, uh, let's see, he was on a Nickelodeon, a Nickelodeon show in, uh, in the 90s. Uh, then he had his own uh, sitcom, The Mike O'Malley Show. He was also on Yes, Dear, a CBS series from 2000 to 2006. He won an Emmy uh, for his role as uh, Bert Hummel on Fox as Glee. He's also been in My Name is Earl, Raising Hope, Parenthood, Parks and Rec. And he's been in a lot of popular films. Uh, he's also a playwright. He did a play, Three Years from 30, in Diverting Devotion. Uh, and he's really good. I mean, really, uh, like, uh, nice casting for that. Uh, then there was the street lamps, which made me think of, like, uh, LED street lamps, which I'm encountering more and more. Again, this is just one article. I don't know if this is this is from 2016 from the Huffington Post uh, by uh, Sarah DeGulio. Uh, the streetlights are great for the planet, but maybe not great for your health. Uh, uh, even though they save energy, some LED streetlights are too bright and may actually be uh, uh, not good. For, there's a lot. They say, use 50% less energy than conventional lights. They last uh, two to four times longer. Uh, lower maintenance costs, uh, but they do a bit, uh, emit a lot of blue light, uh, and uh, they can mess up uh, your sleep. Uh, now, this is why you just use blackout curtains uh, or a sleep mask. Uh, and it does take a little bit of work when you live in an area with it, uh, uh, but I found uh, the black—I mean, blackout curtains and maybe. Uh, a second curtain rod or something like that is the way to go. It, like, seriously, it'll change your, uh, it really, like, uh, so do yourself a favor. Uh, so it's one thing to think about, but this, uh, I'll link to this article there. Uh, what about streetlights just in general? Uh, a streetlight, a lamp post, a street lamp, or a lamp standard. Uh, the first we used was in the city of Antioch, uh, uh, in the fourth century, uh, then in the Middle Ages, uh, uh, there was ones with uh, link boys who escorted people from one place to another in the murky, winding streets of medieval towns. Uh, before incandescent lamps, candle lighting was used that uh, required a lamp lighter at dusk, uh, lighting each of the lamps. Uh, illumination was ordered in London by in 1417 by Sir Henry Barton, mayor of London, but there's no evidence of that. In 1524, Paris house owners were required to have a lantern with candles in front of their house at night, but it was often ignored. Uh, following the invention of lanterns with glass windows, which greatly improved the quality of light, the quantity of light, uh, the lanterns were installed in Paris. Uh, and still, in 1662, it was common practice for travelers to hire a lantern bearer if they wanted to move around at night. Uh, they were still common in Paris until 1789. In uh, 1667, Louis XIV uh, began installing lanterns on all the streets. Uh, there was a 1,000 in place by 1669, uh, maybe 6,000 by 1729. Windows with glass windows were suspended from a cord over the middle of the street at a height of 20 feet and placed 20 yards apart. Uh, then they used oil lanterns. Uh, 
1817, there were 4,694 lamps on Paris streets. And uh, then it became gas lamp, piped coal gas as a fuel first. Uh, In Paris, the first use of gas was in the 1800s at a private residence. Uh, Then the passage day, this panorama in 1817. Then on the streets in 1829, they started to spread. By 1857, the Grands Boulevards were all licked by gas. You know, it probably was beautiful and en- enchanting. Uh, uh, then uh, Pall Mall in London in 1807 was one of the first public streets. Uh, uh, then it spread to the U.S. Uh, in Baltimore, 1816. Uh, Lancashire in 1816. Yeah, so just a little bit about gas. Uh, then there was arc lamps, uh, which uh, starting in 1875, they were developed uh, by a Russian uh, carbon arc lamp uh, employed AC current uh, or AC uh, so that they were used at equal rates. Uh, 1867, L.A. installed four arc lamps in various places uh, for street lighting. Uh, 1878, uh, they started started around in Paris. Uh, in London, it was 1878 to 1881. The United States was quick. Uh, by 1890, there were over 100, 130,000 in operation in the U.S., uh, commonly installed in tall moonlight towers. Uh, there were two major disadvantages. One, they were uh, intense and harsh light, uh, that was useful in industrial places, but dis, you know, not good in cities, like we just kind of talked about. But second, they were uh, very maintenance-heavy, as the carbon electrodes uh, would wear out fast. Uh, so then they moved on to incandescent and stuff, but that's a little bit about that. Uh, what about do not duplicate? Uh, what's the prevailing wisdom on that, I wonder to myself. Uh, this is over at Key Me. Yeah, it was just, you know, some site, blog.key.me.com. It's, just a, it's a myth uh, that they're better than regular. Uh, uh, the marking is meaningless. It's just text stamped on a key. Nothing about it makes it, uh, you know, more reliable. In fact, typically keys stamped at DND are the most common uh, keys on the market. Uh, they become popular because they get sold at a premium price, uh, because consumers believe that they're, you know, better. Uh, and they say, that's why Associated Locksmiths of America has a clear policy. Orders for key stamped to D&D, or similar wording, do not duplicate, will be treated in the man- same manner as any unrestricted key. Uh, they should inform the computer c- 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 consumer that's not effective uh, and uh, creates a false sense of, hey, that's great. So they say, if that doesn't do anything, what could you do to make it, more, you know, more better? You know, I'm trying to talk around. They say, one, make a, get a key that's hard to copy. Uh, uh, these keys come from specific brands, which uh, you need special equipment. So then it's like, well, then uh, the multi-T key, which has dimple cuts, uh, then, uh, you know, get a better lock, uh, uh, other than just a regular old five lock, uh, 
yeah, so just, I guess, like, let's go back, let's go on to door, door person or doorman as a profession. Porter in British English is hired to provide courtesy and watch stuff at residential buildings or hotels. Uh, common in, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends that did this as a job in uh, New York. Uh, urban luxury high rises, uh, open doors, screen visitors, and uh, deal with deliveries. Uh, also, sign for packages, carry luggage, uh, hail taxis. Uh, they date all the way back to the time of the Roman Republic uh, when it was Eantor. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives had an official doorkeeper until 95. Uh, in New York, they're typically unionized. I remember one of my friends talking about this, and they're in the same union I used to be in, the SEIU. Uh, they're in 32BJ. Last time they went off work was uh, in 1991, but they narrowly avoided strikes in 2006 and 2010. Uh, so it's just a little bit about that job. Uh, what about ticker tape? I know it's come up that I used to like uh, talk about. They find it interesting. Ticker tape was the earliest digital communication medium, transla- transmitting stock price information over telegraph lines uh, in use between 1870 and 1970. Consisted of a paper strip that ran through a machine called a stock ticker, uh, which printed abbreviated company names as alphabetic symbols, uh, followed by numeric stock transaction price and volume information. Uh, the term ticker came from the sound the machine made as it printed. Uh, paper ticker tape became obsolete in the 60s with uh, televisions and computers. Uh, but now, you know, there's, you know, electronic uh, tickers uh, running across screens. Uh, it was invented in uh, 1867 by Edward Callahan, an employee of the American Telegraph Company. Yeah, although telegraph printing systems were first invented by Royal Earl House in 1846, early models were fragile and needed uh, hand cranks. Uh, David Hughes improved the printing design with a clockwork weight power in 1856, and that was further improved uh, with a resynchronization system. And then Callahan had the first one using a telegraphic printer in 1863. Early versions were provided the mechanical means of conveying stock prices over long distances and used the same symbols as Morse code for a medium of conveying messages. Thomas Edison also had invented one which used alphanumeric characters with a printing speed of one character per second. Could be relaxing. Uh, they were, you know, ancestor of the modern computer. One of the first applications transmitting text over wire to a printing device based on the printing telegraph. Uh, and uh, they used the technology of the then recently invented telegraph machines. The advantage that the output was readable text instead of dots and dashes. A special typewriter designed for operation over telegraph wires was used at the opposite end of the telegraph wire connection of the ticker machine. Text typed on the typewriter was displayed on the ticker machine on the opposite end of the connection. Uh, the machines printed a series of ticker symbols, and the computer get you know the continued to improve. Uh, in the early days of baseball, before electronic scoreboards, uh, they also used it for get scores around the league. 
typical tape was cut into a form of confetti for parades and primarily in lower Manhattan became known as a ticker tape parade uh, to celebrate things. Uh, and they still have them, but actual ticker tape's not used anymore, more shredded paper. Uh, so it's a ticker tape. How about this one? Wait till you hear this. This is a list of NCIS episodes. I didn't do the math. Uh, uh, well, let's see. What's, what's NCIS? Uh, it's a, a two, it was introduced in, uh, in a series on JAG in 2003. Uh, in, it premiered in 2003. Uh, it's from Belisario and McGill. And it stars Mark Harmon uh, as uh, he's in charge of a major, you know, major team, a big team of naval, you know, naval stuff. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people on it. But listen, to this, there's been 16 or, uh, well, 15 seasons thus far, 16 seasons getting ready to premiere. Uh, most seasons have between 23 and uh, 24 episodes and uh, so in addition to uh there was a shortened season in uh 2007 and that was it uh so you're talking like 230 or 200 yeah let's just say 230 plus uh like well, it's 25 to make it easier, uh, is, uh, 40, 60, 360 hours ish of, uh, of content. And actually the show really hit its, uh, its peak of viewing. I mean, it's still at its high point kind of, uh, it really grew. It looks like, uh, its highest ratings were in 2012, but it really hasn't gone down by that much, uh. Uh, like Nielsen rating is in like the 12 point, uh, 12 and 11 points. It started at seven or eight points. Uh, uh, so really popular show. And if you, so if the judge wanted to watch it, it would have taken, I guess it would only taken, if she watched 24 hours at a time, it could only taken her like, uh, I don't know, would have like a month or something, right? 30, how many, say 300 hours. I don't know. Yeah. So. Who's this Mark Harmon? Because I remember Mark Harmon as being a summer school teacher. Uh, he's a film and television actor. He's appeared in a lot of things. I never saw him on The West Wing. I'll have to watch that four-episode story arc. He won an Emmy for that. we got a lot of Emmy winners on this show. Uh, then he's cast. Then they said, after they saw that, they said, hey, let's make this show NCIS. Let's get you on it. Uh, uh, he's from Burbank. Uh, his father was a Heisman Trophy winning football player and broad broadcaster. Uh, his mom, an artist and actress, Elise, uh, two older sisters. And uh, his maternal grandparents are Austrian immigrants. Uh, he graduated from high school. The Harvard School was his high high school. Uh, then he get, went to junior college where he was really good at uh, sports, uh, football. He ended up at UCLA and uh, then uh, was quarterback. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so then he became a, uh, at some point he became an actor. 
He's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, I remember him. He was in an episode of uh, oh, Prince of Bel-Air. I thought it said Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Sexiest Man Alive in 1986. Probably got that again. I remember him in uh, Summer School and then uh, The Presidio, like a little bit of an action movie. In this episode, they talk about the movie Stealing Home, which we'll talk about next. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's cut to it. You're right. Uh, Stealing Home, he was in with the great Jodie Foster. 1988, coming-of-age romantic film. Oh, Jonathan Silverman, Harold Ramis are in it, Blair Brown. Uh, Billy Wyatt, a washed-up baseball player, is uh, called back home because it's his his tough time with his sweetheart, uh, it was uh, released uh, theatrically August 26, 1988. Uh, didn't do so hot, uh, but its musical score did get a lot of praise. Uh, it holds a 93% rating on Google users, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 20%. It consists of extended flashbacks to the 60s, showing Billy and Katie's relationship. Uh, that's play- She's played by Jodie Foster. Uh yeah, so uh, I did want to look up uh, this book, The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. It is a real book, and it is a famous silent movie that I would like to watch uh, based on it. It was published under the title By Order of the King. It's a novel by Victor Hugo, published in 1869. It's in a 1921 film, a silent film. Also was adapted for a 2012 French film. Uh, also a musical, The Grinning Man. And in 2018, The Man Who Laughs is set to be uh, adapted uh, into a South Korean musical of the same name. Uh, he wrote, Hugo wrote it over 15 months uh, while living in the Channel Islands after he was exiled uh, because of his political novels. Uh, uh, the working title for this book was On the King's Command, but a friend suggested The Man Who Moans Loudly. And I don't want to give away the plot, uh, but yeah, it's been adapted uh, m- many times, it looks like. So maybe, maybe I'll watch that film. It sounds interesting. Because it sounds like the film was a bit of an impressionist. Uh, uh, like uh, I don't know. Check it out. Uh, oh, yeah, I can read about it real quick here. Uh, the Man Who Laughs is a silent romantic drama by German expressionist uh, filmmaker Paul Lini. Uh Stars Mary Philbin and Conrad Veit, uh, Veit, uh, Velt. Uh, it uh, is known for its uh, its uh, interesting, kind of like you know, the the uh, opera, the person, the the the, the friend of the opera. Uh, but Robert, Roger Ebert stated it's a melodrama, at times even a swashbuckler, but with expressionist gloom. Similar films such as Hunchback and Notre Dame. So that's interesting. And what about Bardo, B-A-R-D-O? That's the name of the place uh, uh, Tahani went in. Uh, schools of Buddhism, uh, Tibetan Buddhism. It's an intermediate transitional liminal state between uh, Big Farm and Rebirth, uh, which is a f- the theme maybe of this season. A concept which arose soon after the Buddhist passing, with a number of earlier Buddhist groups accepting the existence of an intermediate state while other schools didn't like it. Uh, Bardo 
is the central theme of the uh, uh, the Tibetan book of the Big Farm. It's uh, existence is intermediate between two lives on Earth. Uh, so after rebirth, uh, yeah, I guess we said that. Uh, so interesting can be used to describe times when one our usual way of life has become suspended. So you could use it, you know, or even when you're at a meditation or retreats. Uh, or maybe when you're uh, just drifting off to dreamland. Uh, so that's it uh, for our coverage of uh, first episodes or four, technically the first two episodes of uh, Good Place. I'll see you again soon. Good night. I want to say thanks, thanks, and good night to our newest uh, patrons uh, who support the show on Patreon, or Rebels with the Cause, uh, who keep the show going. Uh, Cindy, Brandy, and Tom, thank you. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Anna, uh, Nathan, and Ellen, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Paul, Theodore, and Jeff, thank you, thanks, and good night. Catherine, Stephanie, and Lizzie, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Lucy, Helene, and Carla, thank you, thank you, and good night. Ayuki, Greg, and Aiden, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Gail, uh, Lelis, and Adam, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Joey, Rich, and Gail, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Christopher, Tony, and Malika, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ollie, Curry, and Catherine, thanks, thanks, and good night. Lindsay, Patrick, and Allie, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Amy, Lori, and Tina, thank you, thanks, and good night. Amanda, John, and Michelle, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jennifer, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. And then uh, Mega, uh, Jennifer, uh, thanks for the support on uh, Venmo. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. Uh, Sleeping Me uh, exists because of patron support, other listener support, and people who support the sponsors. So thank you all for doing that. We're also a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all the amazing shows at nightvalepresents.com. Yeah, you can check out all our major, amazing merch at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash shop. We're also a member of PRX. You can check out everything they do at prx.org. And here you go. Let me tuck in. Get comfortable there. Yeah, let me uh, help uh, bomb your bomb your uh, elbows. Uh, yeah, good night. Uh, you up another episode if you need it. I, I'm here uh, and sleep, sleep well. <laughs>